Hello, and welcome to the Constructor Cast, your AGC place for all the news, views, and interviews relevant to your construction business. I am your host, Leah Pilkonis. This is the seventh recording in our COVID-19 special edition series, where we bring you timely information on factors that construction companies need to consider as they strive for business continuity in these challenging and unprecedented times. We've been releasing a new episode at the start of each week to forecast important actions coming down the pike. So hopefully you can stay a bit ahead of things and we wanna keep you informed of how AGC is involved and representing the interests of the construction industry. I have three of my colleagues with me today to do just that. Welcome gentlemen, please take a moment to say hello and introduce yourselves. Jimmy, let's start with you. Thanks, Leah. Hi, I'm Jimmy Christensen. I'm uh, Vice President of Government Affairs for AGC of America and oversee our uh, Government Relations Department. Matt, how about you? Hi, I'm Matthew Turkstra and I'm the Director of Tax, Fiscal Affairs and Accounting. Thanks. And last but not least, Brian. Sure, it's uh, Brian Termail. I'm the Vice President of Public Affairs and Strategic Initiatives for AGC of America. And I can truly say that I'm a longtime listener and a first-time caller, so <laughs> glad to be here. Great. Thank you so much. Today is Tuesday, May 12th. And on Capitol Hill, the U.S. House of Representatives is expected to release its next coronavirus relief, relief proposal this week and then vote on it. But there is some disagreement about exactly what the package should look like. Democrats are calling for the federal government to provide substantial aid to states whose budgets have been devastated by economic downturn. Eventually, they'll need to begin talks with the Republican-controlled Senate and the White House. Notably, Senate majority leaders continue to publicly state that they insist any future coronavirus relief package has to address liability protections for businesses that are seeking to reopen. So, Jimmy, I'm excited to have you here with us today because you really are overseeing all of this and have the insight of the ins and outs of what's going on. Can you please explain to us AGC's top priorities right now and share the outreach and advocacy work that the association is doing in this area? Surely, and my pleasure. Uh, I'll, I'll focus first on the liability side and then turn a little bit to the infrastructure side. Um, first on the liability issues, obviously, Construction in many places across the country uh, was considered both safe and essential. Um, as such, we have had a lot of folks out in the field throughout this entire time period. Uh, some job sites might have been shut down that are reopening, but everyone is worried about liability and what possibility uh, there may be for the trial lawyers bar to come after them um, based on uh, who's been following what rules. Um, this is ab absolutely concerning uh, from the standpoint that you have many members that are following, whether it be CDC guidelines or state or local safety guidelines, in addition to any other federal guidelines, trying to do what's right by their employees uh, to get this done uh, in a safe and effective and efficient manner. Uh, so what we are focused on is ensuring that the construction companies that are doing, trying to do what's right by their employees and following these guidelines, uh, following social distancing, 
requirements and so forth as they change on any given daily basis to give them the protections they they need to keep doing the good things without risking uh, their company and the jobs of their other employees because of uh, one foul swoop tort law, uh, lawsuit. Uh, so that's been our focus. We've been talking to Senate offices and House offices on this issue. Obviously, the majority leader in the Senate is supportive, and we're looking for a, um, you know, you've heard a lot of people talk about a liability shield, um, and I think that's overblown. Again, like I said, we're focused on ensuring the good actors have the protection they need, uh, not necessarily the bad actors who aren't following any safety regimes. Uh, so it's not a shield for everyone. It's just making sure that those that are being grossly negligent and not following uh, an industry recognized or a state or local government um, safety program as required are the ones that are at risk of this liability. Um, so that's been one of our primary focuses here. Uh, and obviously that's been the red line in the sand for Senate Republicans in this next package. Um, you know, the House, as you said, is looking to put forth their own package at this point. It, we we could expect to see it by the end of this week. Uh, I, I question whether by the end of this week they can actually get it out and vote on it. Uh, but in the interim, this should be seen as the first step in negotiation uh, where the uh, House, uh, House Democrats will put out their proposal and then the we'll wait for the volley by the White House and Senate uh, Republicans to to say what what they think of it. Um, so I don't think that we'll see necessarily a next new uh, CARES Act 2 or phase four or whatever you want to call it uh, for some time. Uh, as far as infrastructure is concerned, uh, we've we've been focused in the House and making sure that uh, we want to see that anything that comes out of this House proposal includes money for infrastructure. Specifically, we're focused on ensuring that state DOTs uh, can get uh, an immediate cash infusion of about $50 billion so they do not have to delay uh, or postpone any lettings that were planned for this year or the next budget year. Um, because as we saw with many uh, restaurants and hotels, you know, the industry isn't meant to sustain six months without work. Um, and if you have state DOTs that are looking to do that, we're afraid that there's just any sort of large infrastructure package that they put out later there won't be the companies that are necessary to help build that to be there. We want to ensure that we can get that bridge um, and that $50 billion is necessary to ensure that we, we have the capacity to continue to work uh, for when we get that uh, big, beautiful infrastructure plan. Uh, so we had a, we were instrumental in getting a letter of over 135 members of the House to sign on calling for that. Uh, we recently met with Susan Collins in our main chapter and many others. She is the uh, lead appropriator for the Transportation Appropriations Subcommittee uh, in the Senate and ensuring her support for that. Uh, and uh, we'll keep pressing it uh, throughout this process to ensure that uh, the folks on that side of the, uh, uh, the membership can continue to work along with looking for opportunities as well for the broader infrastructure package 
both on the horizontal and vertical building end uh, to make sure that there's something for everybody uh, to continue as we know that markets, especially on the, uh, the private and the public side, are, are being pinched. Jimmy, is there still a call for action letter out that is on our website? Yes, there's still uh, you're still encouraged to contact your members of Congress on this $50 billion ask for state DOTs to continue projects moving forward. Mm -hmm. And we do also have an ask uh, for the uh, Congress and the administration to fix the uh, PPP program. Uh, but I'll leave it to my colleague to talk about what's going on there. Okay, thank you for that update. Lots going on. So yes, let's let's turn to Matt next. I, I want to talk about the uh, expansion of some parts of the most recent coronavirus relief measure, or what we now call the CARES Act, that may provide construction companies other options for economic assistance during the the pandemic. On past episodes, we've talked a lot about the Paycheck Protection Program, which is the loan program intended to keep businesses operational so they can continue to work and pay their employees. But the reality is that it includes a finite amount of money and the money's almost gone and businesses are going to continue to need support. So Matt, I know this is your area of expertise. Can you talk to us about just how much farther can the PPP program carry us? I want your thoughts and your your opinion on that. And what are you hearing about the possible expansion of other provisions in the CARES Act, namely um, the Employee Retention Tax Credit Program, which the way I understand it, that's like the PPP program because it could help incentivize companies to retain employees under these really tough economic conditions. Yeah, thanks, Leah. Um, so I'll, I'll start talking briefly about the <clears throat> PPP program and some of the issues that we've faced with that uh, recently, uh, and then and then touch on the employee retention tax credit as well. But um, what we've when the PPP program was was created, it was really set out to provide kind of a, a bridge funding or a bridge loan for employers to maintain their workforce for about two months, uh, which at the time that the CARES Act was signed was about what everybody was projecting the uh, how, how long the shutdown would be. Um, and then uh, to make it extra generous, the, the loan would turn into a grant uh, for those recipients who who uh, met certain criteria, spending the money on their workforce and rent and mortgage interest and things like that. Um, uh, as the pandemic has continued and the shutdowns have have uh, gone on longer than um, than I think they originally anticipated, uh, the the PPP program, at least as it's currently drafted, uh, does create some certain handcuffs within uh, the the uh, recipients who get it. Um, they have to use the money uh, within a set amount of time from when they receive it. Um, they, it, it, it's only good for eight weeks, uh, which if you're looking out uh, from two months to now, the economy may not be up and running at full speed um, and, and things like that. In addition to that, there have been a, a number of uh, public statements by the Treasury Secretary and uh, some congressional leaders uh, suggesting that 
um, loan recipients would would undergo a great deal of scrutiny, um, subject to False Claims Act uh, uh, lawsuits, um, and also that every person who receives a loan would then be made uh, potentially made made public, um, and uh, kind of all these ha have contributed to a drop in the demand for the uh, PPP loan program just in the past week and a half or so. Um, the SBA was originally clearing about $50 billion worth of loans per day, which is an, which is an astounding uh, figure. Um, and uh, so over the past about uh, 10 days or so, they've averaged clearing about um, about a, a one and a half billion per day. So it's it's been a pretty dramatic fall off. And as a result, I think people are starting to look at ways to either revise the, the PPP loan program to uh, make it more attractive or to explore some additional uh, some additional uh, relief that may be either uh, equally beneficial or more beneficial. One of those is the, as you mentioned, is the employee retention tax credit that was uh, created in the CARES Act and it didn't get a lot of attention at the time. Um, but it provided about uh, a 50% um, tax credit to employers uh, for up to $10,000 in wages paid out from uh, uh, March to uh, the end of the year. And uh, so basically about $5,000 per employee. The, as the, um, so, so that's a, it was a fairly significant uh, amount of money. And there's a distinction between employers who have um, 100 employees or, or less or 100 employees or more um, uh, or greater than 100 employees. And the, uh, the if you have over 100 employees, it's only applicable to, employee, uh, to employees who have been out of work. Uh, whereas if you have fewer than that, uh, assuming that, that your, your company has been shut down and meets the criteria or, or eligibility criteria for the program, uh, then it applies to all your employees. Um, there's some talk that in the in the next CARES Act uh, legislation that we would see from the Democrats hopefully this year, this uh, week um, that that program will be expanded upon. There's been some bipartisan legislation introduced by Congresswoman Stephanie Murphy from Florida, along with Congressman John Katko from uh, from New York, uh, as, and and a few other members uh, that would uh, increase the credit from 50 percent to 80 percent. Uh, raise the amount of money uh, or, or the, the, the cap on wages from $10,000 to $45,000 um, uh, per, per year. Um, and uh, so it would it's a fairly substantial increase in that um, in, in the amount of money that would be available to employers. Now as to whether that legislation gets into the uh, bill, you know, without any changes is an open question. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, that may be a, uh, a, a more powerful tool for employers um, as they're looking for different options for relief as the economy continues to uh, struggle to get up and running. That's another key priority area for AGC, another thing that we're looking closely at. Yeah, as uh, I think what we need to learn some more about the program, I have to imagine the price tag for what was introduced by uh, Congresswoman Murphy is going to be quite high. And okay. uh, we are dealing with a, a situation of kind of uh, limited resources. There's a lot of demands on the Treasury right now between, uh, as Jimmy mentioned, uh, money for, for states, money for state DOTs, 
um, uh, relief for employers, uh, potentially additional uh, stimulus checks for uh, for um, individuals. And I, I'd imagine the price tag is going to get pretty high pretty quickly. So um, they'll, they'll have to be uh, pretty judicious in, in how they tailor these programs so that uh, uh, we don't have uh, the, the price tag isn't too high uh, on the backside. Okay. All right. Well, I'm sure you're going to be tracking that closely and we'll continue to report on things as they develop. So thanks for that update, Matt. So what, what you just heard was basically a, a quick legislative outlook and a review of uh, AGC's government affairs work kind of at the moment. Like I said, we'll continue to provide updates as things evolve, but we have so much else going on as our national staff of almost 70 people. We're continuing to work um, every day, each of us working from our own individual homes to provide you with resources and information to keep your people safe, safe and healthy and keep your businesses going. So, like I said, last but not least, we've got Brian Termail with us, and he's a spokesperson for AGC National, and I want him to give us a rundown of uh, what you can keep an eye out for, um, things that we're also working on um, this week and, and into the next week ahead. Sure, and thanks, Leah. Um, it, it is yet another busy week for AGC for events coming out of Washington and, and hopefully a busy week for the industry. Uh, a few things, uh, and I was trying to think about these in chronological order. Uh, one is, and just to sort of go back in time a little bit, is that, of course, last Friday, uh, AGC released the results of our the sixth edition of our coronavirus survey. We've had over 800 members respond to it, and that really gives us a lot of good information and detail that Jimmy and Matt and their team can, can use up on the Hill, that we can use to educate the media about what's going on, and we can educate you, the industry, about what's happening um, really across the country with the construction sector. Unfortunately, the jobs numbers that came out last Friday uh, showed that the industry lost 975,000 workers, so nearly a million million workers, which was, I think, nothing short of gut-wrenching. Uh, but AGC's chief economist does provide some really, I think, insightful analysis of those survey results uh, you know, and some exploration of, of those jobs numbers and what they mean for the industry. And we've been working uh, to, to put together a brief, about two minute, minute and a half video from that chief economist, Ken Simonson, that, that folks can watch. Uh, the, the most recent one, which we put out on Friday, uh, is available. If you just go to the, the coronavirus uh, website or page that we've created on the uh, AGC website, if you go right to the main page at agc.org and you click on the, the COVID updates, you'll see right there a link to the Ken's video those employment data and some other inter interesting data that we put out there. And it's just kind of a good way to get caught up on what's going on with the industry and you know where might be some silver linings in that data. Moving forward this week, uh, I think we have two significant developments going on tomorrow. Uh, first, of course, is that, that we'll be um, releasing the next in our series of weekly safety tips. Uh, you know, our safety team has been putting out uh, new tips each week really since we did that nationwide safety stand down in early april and the idea here is to just provide a constant stream of content that members can use as they constantly reinforce with their teams the need to comply with all those safety procedures uh you know as jimmy talked about the, the ingredient that is making sure that firms are taking every possible step to protect their workers and the community from the spread of the coronavirus and these safety tips are just designed to give you more information and another reason to go back with your teams and really kind of make sure everyone is following uh, the, the new protocols that are out there. 
Uh, also tomorrow, AGC will be releasing uh, its uh, culture of care program. For those of you who are with us in Vegas in early March, you heard a lot of talk about a new culture of care program. Uh, basically, it's, it's a set of guidelines and a commitment that we're asking member firms to, to, to sign up for uh, on uh, expanding the diversity of their workforce and also creating a climate uh, that is more welcoming of folks from different backgrounds, different um, experiences, different cultures, different values into your job site. And, and as we, we think it's an even more relevant program today, given the fact that frankly, we're all a little stressed out, we're all a little worried about what's going on, uh, and we're all um, you know, coming into the workplace, bringing the anxieties from our house with us. So we think it's a particularly timely program. There's a lot of great resources in culture of care uh, on, on how firms can, um, uh, can, can help folks cope with that stress and, and again, create a more welcoming environment, a place where, where folks will feel comfortable showing up and contributing their best ideas. If nothing else, we see from the recent economic data that, that firms are gonna need to take every possible step to be as efficient, as productive, and as profitable as possible in the hope that culture of care will help. And then just kind of rounding out the week on Thursday, is the revised federal deadline, of course, for firms that may be considering returning those Paycheck Protection Program loans. Uh, originally, the deadline was May 7th, but after uh, Jimmy, Matt, and the team really weighed in uh, forcefully with uh, the Treasury officials, uh, they, they did give a, a one-week extension, uh, and that deadline is the 14th, uh, and that's a decision that, that folks obviously need to make based on uh, their analysis of the situation. Uh, and then one of the helpful resources that's out there as people think about those Paycheck Protection Program loans. Also up on our coronavirus website, we've actually created a packet of information that really uh, uh, documents what market conditions were like in March and April when many firms were making those PPP loan requests so that they can document just how, how dire economic circumstances were and how reasonable it was to have expected um, a downturn in the market that in fact we saw with those new April employment figures. So a lot of information, just, you know, best thing that members can do is obviously watch this podcast, uh, check for our regular uh, coronavirus updates, check that website and the coronavirus page. And uh, if they haven't downloaded that AGC Connection app yet, you should definitely do that. That's a great place where we can just push that information to you. All righty. Yeah. Amazing know, stuff. Sorry. That's all right. No, it's awesome. I, I knew about it and it still is incredibly impressive to hear it all. <laughs> so www.agc.org slash coronavirus is sounds like the number one place to check for a lot of the resources that you just mentioned. I know you update that page regularly. So uh, lots of really good tools and resources. I think that that wraps up this episode of AGC's Constructor Cast. Thank you all for the information that you shared. Thanks everyone on the other end for listening. Please subscribe to Constructor Cast from your podcast app, or you can stream all available episodes right from your computer at www.agc.org/constructorcast.